This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. I was going to attempt to do my Ray Romano impersonation. It's his birthday today. It's Tom Hankey's birthday today. Samuel L. Jackson, Jane Fonda, Kiefer Sutherland. It is a big day for birthdays. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos, right here on TSN 1050. Let's see. Oh, my wife, she won't let me go to the bar. All right, Ray. How's that for? That's my. Oh, that's my big brother. Nah. I, th- I thought you were going. Uh, I thought you were going Kermit the Frog to hey start. Ho, hey ho, Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> and then you got into Ray yeah. eventually. Well, but I, I thought it was Kermit. Well, I saw the birthdays. I saw Ray Romano. So then, I, before the mic went on, I started going. Ah! I just started making that noise to see if I could get my Ray <laughs> Romano. I didn't think I nailed it. We'll no, just, it wasn't we'll just your. Move it on. wasn't your best, but it wasn't no. your worst either. Okay, somewhere in the mushy middle. Some in the mushy middle. That's yes, that's yes, fine. Mushy that's fine. middle. It's like eighty percent of NFL teams. Just everyone's there in the mushy middle. Um, a, a, a sad note. Um, listen, anytime someone passes away, that's there is going to be a level of sadness uh, to it. Depending, you know, if you for me when I died, one hundred and two fighting zombies will be sad, but it's the way I wanted to go. Um, and you know, there's everyone. There's sort of like an emotional scale to it. But Franco Harris, Hall of Fame running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. First off, pass away at the age of 72 feels way too young, especially someone who I've seen on videos and interviews a couple of years ago. He just seemed really vibrant, but also we're, we're just a couple of days away from the Raiders taking on the Steelers. It is the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and I know I'm already alienating anyone under the age of 35 going, what the hell are you talking about? Whoa, it, whoa, 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 whoa. What? I'm going to defend my uh-huh. under 35 team. Yeah. That I'm on. What about the person to your left? I, I know what the immaculate reception is. Any football I, I'm saying fan. to you, to you, the person sitting to your left. Do you think Owen knows what the immaculate reception is? The technical producer today. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. But okay. This was, this was a similar situation as <laughs> as the ET claim, the claim that I didn't see ET. <laughs> That's true. Which, yeah. like I said at the time, is downright slanderous. It's okay. a classic, regardless okay. of age. Timeless. Timeless is the word El- we're looking for. Elliot. Oh, I'm very disappointed ouch. in Owen. I'm very disappointed. I. Yeah. It's the immaculate reception. Uh, whatever. I'm yeah. not arguing that. It's okay, a, continue, Matt. Super cool play. First round of the playoffs. Dolphins and... Uh, sorry, not Dolphins. Uh, Raiders and the Steelers. And, um, you know, the Raiders always a team that would lose in the playoffs early. And uh, and they would again. Pittsburgh, last second pass by Terry Bradshaw. Two, the other running back, Frenchie Fuqua. Safety Jack Tatum hits Frenchie Fuqua. Ball goes in the air. Franco Harris plucks it up before it hits the ground. Runs in for a touchdown. Down last second, Steelers beat the Raiders, and then everyone's like, "Oh!" So Pittsburgh went on to glory. No, that was no, ni- no, no, no. No, that was 1972. They got crushed by the Dolphins, who went undefeated, the only undefeated team. But again, um, you know, there's just a sad day to see him passing, especially so close to a day where he would have been celebrated. Yeah, just it's crazy because it's two days away from the Immaculate Reception's 50th yeah. anniversary, and three days from him, his number being retired oh. by the Steelers. 
I mean, like, like I, remember, uh, I remember people bummed out when Betty White died at New Year's Eve last year when there was, she was on the cover of People magazine talking about how great it was to be 100, and she you know, missed it by a little while. This, a week. Yeah, a week. Ugh, just such tragedy. Um, awkwardly transitioned from that. The funny thing about the 4-1 score by the Leafs is that feels like the right score in terms of st- the quality of play by both teams, but two of the goals yeah. were empty netters. So like, well, the game was... The game was closer than the final score, but the final score, to me, was indicative of how the Leafs played last night and how the Lightning played last night. Agreed. I think Vasilevsky kept them in that game for large portions of it, and the Leafs get the 4-1 win, which is what they probably should have had, and yet it's two empty net goals. Like That just shows you how important Vasilevsky is for the Lightning. If we ever doubted it, you There's your last, answer. You saw, you, you, you saw it last night. And you know what? I did do it, though, when the uh, when the Leafs were up 2-0 on FanDuel. Yeah, you, text, you called me. Oh, yeah. Tampa was plus 520. I'm like, I'm putting 10 bucks down. You know, I, I could win 52 bucks on this $10 bet. I'm glad I was wrong. Uh, I'm gl- Listen, I'm glad I was wrong. Uh, but uh, I'm getting plus 520 on Tampa with over a period and a half. And then soon after that, they scored. I'm like, okay. Uh, but I'm glad I did not win uh, my two bets totaling $18. Can we give a shout-out to Mikey from Leafs Lunch actually getting all three of his bets? He got bets, all three right. right. Al's brother nailed them all. I can't Good remember job. the last time he went three three for three on his uh, school of DJ bets. Usually it's two for three or, yeah. or one for three. Always that annoying two out of three. Nope, he got, uh, he got the trifecta. Good job for Al's brother. Um, I got a philosophical question that we'll get into a little bit about Carlos Correa flipping from the Giants to the Mets. And the crazy part is, in the end, he went for less money and less term. I want to know what the hell happened in that medical. I want to know what the Giants said to him, what the Giants said to Scott Boris. What the hell happened where Scott Boris decided, you know what, we're going for less money. Scott Boris never goes for less money. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's barely less. It's barely, but for, it's still... Sorry. Yes. In the grand scheme of Normies. super rich... Yeah, for rich people, it doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. No, no, no. For, well, I mean, for us, same thing. Why do we go into radio? We go in for the money. Fat stacks of cash. All you normies out there will never know the wealth and diamonds that we have here in radio. Um, but I got a bigger philosophical question about all things uh, Mets, Carlos Correa, and free agency. Uh, but let's get to it. A little bit... Um, I want to go back uh, and circle around to the Raptors for my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! So I got a hot take on what the Raptors should do on the eve on taking on the most dysfunctional NBA team the past two decades, the Knicks! They're on a six-game losing streak, first time in a decade. They are five games under five hundred. The Pacers, the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Lakers! Let that sink in for a moment. The Los Angeles dysfunctional Lakers all have a better record than the Raptors. The Raptors have the same record as the perennially tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. Let that sit in. Let that seep in. To make matters worse, here's what's coming up next. you got the Knicks, the Cavs, the Clippers, the Grizz, the Suns, the Pacers, the Bucks, and then the Knicks again on Friday, January 6th. So my hot take 
here is what Masai Ujiri needs to be doing. Masai, good afternoon. Thanks for listening. As always, you should do nothing. Right now, the temptation is that it's time to do something bold. Hey, look. Oh, I hear Zach Levine's not happy in Chicago. Let's swoop in. Time to take a step back and start looking ahead to next year. And I get it. I flirted with it. I flirted with the idea. But in the end, the smart move, the right move, the wildly boring move is to do nothing. And I I know this is not what you want to hear, but do we, shouldn't we give Nurse Masai the benefit of the doubt? There was an article in The Ringer yesterday focused on the Raptors. Their conclusion, quote, They don't need to blow it up, but they're not remotely fulfilling their potential of this season either and pursuing a strategic retreat to reset for next season would make plenty more sense than striving for a play-in berth with a team that can't score. And a lot of that makes sense. A lot of that I totally get. They are not fulfilling, as of right now, their potential for this season. Uh, This is a team that has not sniffed the top 10 in offensive efficiency since Kawhi and his goofy laugh left for L.A. Only the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Hornets have a worse half-court offense than the Raptors this year. Nick Nurse relying on so much isolation feels ill-suited for this team. There's only one team that has more of an iso-heavy attack, and it's the Mavericks. They got Luka. Siakam is great. But we don't got Luka. I mean, hey, if you can get rid of Gary Trent Jr. for a player that can help, great. But you're not fixing this offense for anyone you bring in where Trent is the player going the other way. Raptors have lost a lot of close games. They have an even scoring differential, which is better than the Clippers and the three teams ahead of them, the East. So there is silver linings. And I know no one wants to hear about injuries, but it's part of the reason why the team is sub-500. Siakam's missed 10 of 31 games. OG, the four games he missed, they lost them all. Gary Trent Jr. has missed the last three games, all losses. Precious Achua, big part of this team's plans, has missed 19 games. The last playoff win by the Raptors against the Sixers, Precious Achua was second in scoring that night. 17.7 rebounds in 27 minutes off the bench. He's an important part of this team. And the team, this team is better than their record, and you know it. We all know it. There's the huge issue of Scotty Barnes. He's fifth, the fifth leading scorer on the Raptors. That's not good enough. His assists are up, but everything else is down. But continuing on the line of silver linings, Eric Kareen from The Athletic pointed out, just look at the Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Those guys got worse from their rookie season. Tatum took a step back in his second year. Jalen Brown did in his third The best course is to stay the course. Let the players get better through work development and experience. Because here's the thing. You're not doing a true tank, okay? It's not happening. Get rid of that thought. That is an insult to the so many truly terrible teams in the NBA to say the Raptors can jump into that disgusting pool. Charlotte's 1-8 and in their last nine. Not a lot of talent. LaMelo Ball only came back in mid-November. Detroit. Well, Cade Cunningham... Season-ending surgery on a shin. Detroit's like, yeah, we're looking ahead. San Antonio, 5-18 and 18 in the last 23 games. Unless you're in multiple fantasy leagues, you can't name a spur beyond Jakob Hurdle. By the way, two of their last four wins have come against Houston. Speaking of the Rockets, god-awful, worst record in the West, so young. Top three players are 22 years of age or younger. Now, I flirted with the idea of trading Van Vliet 
teams like Dallas or the Lakers could use him. Make Scotty Barnes the, the point guard. Hey, let's get nuts. The only issue is the only other ball handlers are Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton, so it's a stupid idea by me. Fun idea, but it's an idea you come up with when you're watching the Raptors lose. A tank job's not going to happen. You're not moving any pieces right now that can really, really help overall overhaul the offense. The sexy move, blow it up. Let's all play armchair GM. Let's speculate about who's coming in. Keep an eye on the draft boards. High draft picks is the greatest source of false hope in sports. But the right move right now is to have faith in this management team that is nothing but one over their time here in Toronto. Now, on January 7th, we can revisit. Until then, stay the course. That is my opening thought. I'm finished. Like, I love the idea of not about a strategic retreat. And I get that idea from the ringer. It's a good, it's a good expression. I, I still go all in for this year. Not that you're going to beat Milwaukee or maybe Boston. It's Boston 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They, got, they lost back-to-back to Orlando as well. But it's about going for it. It is about trying to win as many games as you can, trying to win a playoff round, get these players more and more experience where the games have stakes. So as of now, but uh, Nick, I, I, uh, it's sports. I'm allowed to flip-flop. On January 7th, we can, uh, we can revisit this. Yeah, I have a feeling that you're going to change your uh, tune in a couple weeks just because, we'll see. A, we'll see. either the Raptors are going to fully... Embrace the tank and be. What does that mean? Like, but why though? What, what? Like when you say fully embrace the tank, what sorry, does that I shouldn't look say like? tank, but fully go into the hole is mm-hmm. what I think is the better term because I don't think they're embracing the tank anyway. But if they lose, if they win one game out of the next two weeks, you may change your. Oh, tune. oh! If they win one game in the next two weeks, I'm like, uh, I'm like a, a you know a small mouth bass that you just caught and it's flopping around in your dinghy. I am flip flopping all over the place. Yeah, Hell yeah, that's that's my point. Is yeah. that if they continue to struggle the way that they've struggled over the past three weeks, four weeks now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see you flipping that, uh, flipping your uh, saying there, my friend. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Just not at this moment. All right, we'll take a break. On the other side, we'll get back into the craziness that is going on in MLB. We'll let you know. Also, from a betting perspective, what does this mean for the Mets? And also, a lot of people right now are angry at the Mets. They're angry at Boris. They're angry at Carlos Correa, the crazy contract. But the person you really need to have your rage directed towards is not who you think. And I'll tell you about that next. In a second, I'll get back to some basketball futures. This is Game Play. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. And again, for people that don't bet, always remember, when I'm throwing out a gambling number, and you're like, oh, God, more sports betting. Remember, on this show, it is about the story behind the stat. And there's something going on weird now with the Denver Nuggets. And they're just the Denver Nuggets and Kawhi Leonard. I can make a weird connection between the two. By the way, last night, Nikola Jokic in a win by the Nuggets over the Memphis Grizzlies, had 13, 13, and 13. 13 points, 13 rebounds, 13 assists. One of those assists was through his leg. That should have counted as five assists because it led to a layup. And I think like only like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird have also had 13, 13, and 13. Uh, technical producer Owen, you wanted to hop on for a second. Yeah, just on the, thir- the 13 trend, yeah. he was also plus 13 in the plus-minus box, too. No, was he yes, really? Sir, he was. Okay, I... I, I 
I was kind of flipping between that and uh, I'm starting to watch. Um, uh, I've already forgotten what show I'm watching. Something on Amazon with John Krasinski. It's like uh, Jack Ryan. Anyway, um, great show. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I was enjoying it. Girlfriend's away. I'm like, okay, I'll watch something I know she doesn't want to watch. Um, do you think there was a point late in the game where he could have got a defensive rebound and he did the opposite of Russell Westbrook? He was like, yeah, well, get out of the way. I need these rebounds. I need to show I'm better than Oscar Robertson. Like, do you think there was a moment where, where, where Nikolai's like, no, I got 13, 13, 13. You get it. You get it. Like, just, I don't want to. Uh, getting... Takes one off the chest and yeah. just like, bounce it to his team. <laughs> he, goes like, he goes like full soccer defender. He's like, nope, nope. Hands not touching the ball. Hands not touching Super the ball. Super box out. Yeah. Super box out. Look at me making a soccer joke. Um, the Mets now are have the shortest odds in the National League to win the World Series, plus six fifty, tied with Houston. After that, the Yankees seven to one, Dodgers seven and a half to one. Then it is the Braves ten to one, and the Jays fifteen to one at the moment until they go out and grab another outfielder. But here's my question: because we could sit here and just marvel at the amount of money the Mets are spending. By the way, we'll have Steve Phillips on at 3 o'clock to talk about this. What I mean, the, the most curious thing is the Giants offered 13 years, $350 million. Then they had a problem with the medical, and then that led to a bit of a dispute between Carlos Correa and Scott Boris and the San Francisco Giants. And in the end, the Mets came in and signed him to 12 years, $315 million. It's not much of a money difference by the year. But Scott Morris doesn't walk away from term or money. He likes the more years. He likes the more money. It's an ego play by Scott Boris because he can show all other potential other clients, look at the years, look at the money I got for them. And he's done a pretty good job of it. And he's done a great job. And he's going to continue to do it. And then you see the stats, and it's like the Mets have spent $800 this free agency period alone. And their luxury tax payments is going to exceed $111 million. Like, my God, what crass consumption by the Mets. Shame on them. And then you find out that the amount of money they're going to be paying in luxury tax is more than the Diamondbacks, Nationals, Marlins, Guardians, Royals, Rays, Reds, Pirates, Orioles, and, of course, the Oakland A's. And then I stop for a second thinking about it. I feel like I'm doing a second opening thought here. That the... To me, the biggest shame isn't the Mets going crazy and overpaying for people. And it does stink when there is such a gap. Like, I hate the fact in baseball there is such a gap between the top teams and the bottom teams. I hate it. There's somebody rooted for the Jays you know, from the mid-90s until around 2012 when Rodgers was cheap and wouldn't spend money. So I have that in me. But me, I look at these teams. Why aren't you spending more? Why aren't you trying to be more competitive? Why is it a third of the league is like, no, nope, we're going to sit this one out, we're going to sit this one out, and never spending? The Oakland A's, their owner, is the son of the people that invented Gap. You know Gap, the clothing store that's everywhere. His yep. name is John J. Fisher. That name sounds wealthy. John J. Fisher. Now, John J. Fisher, is his net worth is $2.4 billion. John J. Fisher bought the team in 2005 for $180 million. Worst case scenario. Worst case. He's only making five times return on investment. That's worst case. Yeah, sounds about right. He's not spending the Royals, their owner's worth $1.2 billion. The Cleveland Guardians, $1.3 billion. You go up and down. 
And we want to vilify Steve Cohen, easy target, rich, rich, uh, rich white guy, throws his money around, easy target. I get it. I'm looking at all these teams that year in and year out are telling their fans we're not trying. I'm not saying that all these fan, all these teams got to go out and overpay for for players in their in their mid 30s, but MLB free agency is becoming as predictable. As as the NBA when when um, when Kevin Durant was on Golden State, it's like we know we kind of know what it's going to end up being. I mean, thank God for the Padres, the only team that's sort of like, now nah, we're out there, we're spending, we're a small market team. Everyone just likes to come here for the weather and go to the Gaslight District. Bleep it, we're going to spend lots of money. That's it. They're the only ones that are a bit of an outsider in all of this. So, you got to give credit to the uh, lowest net worth owner in the league, though. Who's that? It's Bob Castellini mm-hmm. from the Reds. He's his net worth is four hundred million. He bought the team in two thousand and five for two hundred and seventy million. Okay, I got to find out though. And you're right. I need to find out. We won't do it now. And by the way, it's a ratings killer when we start di- uh, digging into Cincinnati Reds finances. Hey, that'll get the kids. But did he buy it on his own? Was he part of a conglomerate? It was, uh, you know, was it he him? He led the group. Led, that ah, purchased the Reds. led the group. Led the, right? He but, led the group. But you're right. You're right. I mean, the, the, his net worth versus what he did. Yes, he put more of his own money on the line than a lot of these other owners. Absolutely. Like the people who bought the Denver Broncos, yeah, they own Walmart. They're doing fine no matter what the, they had to pay to get the Denver Broncos. All right, we'll take a break. On the other side, um, always it's been ages since he's been on the show with us. As Fandiar Barahini, uh, who covers basketball, covers the Raptors for SDPN Sports, the No Good Podcast, does a great job. We'll talk about the Raps, but we also got to talk about the fact that the the NBA is going to a place that we haven't seen, that you have not seen maybe in your entire lifetime, and I'll explain next. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Join us now. It's been a little while. And actually, I want to start with uh, last time he was on with us, he was working for a different company, but still covering all things NBA, covering all things Toronto Raptors. Did a neat little mini doc about basketball in Cleveland as Fandiar Barahini is on the line with us. As Fandiar, thank you so much for joining the show. Oz, how you doing, man? It's been a, it's been a while. It's been a while. So, just real quick, just for the audience, um, if you could sort of just uh, tell people where they find your work, They're just because uh, you, you've worked for a couple different places, you've changed jobs since the last time I chatted with you. It is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, no, you can find me on uh, SDPN, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. They have, you know, their website. They have their YouTube channel. They obviously have their uh, social platforms as well. So it'll be SDPN Sports that you can find me on as well as you know my own social channels as well i gave the real and, and again congrats on, on everything that you're doing um I, I, I yeah i i gave the my hot take was incredibly boring that i think for now the idea of the raptors tanking is ridiculous and is an insult to the houston's and the detroit pistons of the world and for me, it feels like that the team should do absolutely nothing in terms of any major move and just see what you can do over the next month internally. That the idea of swinging for the fences right now feels way too soon. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Uh, I think the whole tanking agenda is, is probably, you know, just to kind of lay out the framework. And this happens with a lot of NBA teams. When 
expectations don't meet reality for a fan base, all hell breaks loose, right? Everybody assumes, oh, we got to do the worst, let's blow it up. And that, that doesn't just apply to the Raptors. That applies to any sport, any team. When, when, a, te- when a fan base's expectations are so high heading into a season and a team fails to meet those expectations, you know, they start to look around and question themselves a little bit. Uh, I think the Raptors have been put in a pretty tough predicament right now, especially with injuries and guys missing out time. And also on top of that, going through these shooting slumps, that just a lot of things kind of compounded together for them to have this 13 and 18 record. Now, to to the point of the whole tanking thing, if you will, they have a really, really hard schedule ahead. And I think people are, are projecting forward and assuming that these struggles will continue and, you know, continue forward into December and January. And maybe at that point, if they're still struggling, struggling like this, then you have to consider, okay, how do they move and, and maybe take advantage of, of this season and this NBA draft. Yes, and of course, the, listen, we're not even going to mention Victor Wembanyama. Again, that is an insult to the San Antonio Spurs. That right. uh, You're the only one that can name more than three members of that team, not including Jakob Pertl. <laughs> I, I guess the bigger question I have is, like, you're not going to make any move, I think, that's going to really dramatically improve this offense because this offense, since Kawhi left, has never been in the top ten in offensive efficiency that only the Rockets, Spurs, and Hornets have, have a worst half-court offense. And this is not expecting the Raptors to be top five, but to me, this is the number one question about this team. We asked it before the season. We asked it at the start of the year. And part of this on the players, part of this might be on Nurse and isolation and isolation offense. And part of it's on Masai Ujiri. Is how do you get this offense to be above average in terms of efficiency? How do you get this offense to score if they're not forcing 18 turnovers a game right it look to be honest it is a fair question it is something that i've kind of racked my brain about a lot as well because the way the raptors like to play this style as you as you said and alluded to with how nick nurse likes to play and how messiah jury has designed this team uh you kind of look at it and say okay so this team is designed not to be that great at half-court offense okay so what does that mean not being great at half-court offense means you can't really create as many advantages you can't create as many open looks the only guy on the team who really does a great job at that is their all-star all-nba player in pascal siakam uh, but outside of that they rely on a heavy dose of you know isolation like you mentioned uh winning the possession battle on the offensive glass and like you said forcing turnovers and getting out in transition that is a recipe that can work for a team and has successfully worked for teams, even outside of the Raptors. The Milwaukee Bucks do that to a very, very high degree. But I think the issue there is the fact that the Raptors don't have the depth necessary to do that for an 82-game season. Uh, it's just that, that type of style requires an energy level and a health level that the Raptors haven't had this season and they most likely won't continue to have throughout the season just because of the fact that they've, they're already behind, if you will, on, on that sort of, like, it, it, they're just exhausted. Like, to put it simply, it's a yeah. tiring and, and tiresome process to play like this. And in terms of solutions, we can point to the shooting. They are one of the worst shooting teams in the league. They do not shoot the ball well. They've actually gone through a pretty bad slump with their shooters in Fred VanVleet, in OG Ananobi, in Gary Trent Jr. So... In terms of short-term solutions, you hope that those guys essentially just shoot better. That yeah. is the only real half-court uh, solution to this half-court offense. Long-term solutions, you're probably looking at making some kind of 
marginal move here and there to improve your your half court offense, whether that means getting another ball handler or playmaker or getting you know more shooting. Yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> you know what. Let's move over real quick because I want to talk general NBA with you for a second. Sure. But um, and by the way, um, your answer can be I don't know. Um, with Scotty Barnes, <laughs> yeah, literally, I'm fine with I don't know because you know some things that you just don't know. And and we as uh, me, not you, me as a gas bag, you always got to try to come up with 38 seconds of entertainment when you can just say, hey, I don't know. But with <laughs> Scotty Barnes, is it simply a case of uh, Eric Kareen from the Athletic pointed this out? Um, Jason Tatum, his numbers took a step back in the second year. Jalen Brown, numbers yeah. took a step back in the third year. Scotty Barnes, the assists are great. Everything else is down. Down offensively um, and, and defensively, maybe that's injury. But just your, your your thoughts on, at least from a statistical point of view, the step back of Scotty Barnes. I think that step back is something that a lot of second year players uh, see. And and to your point about the Eric Crane article with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, another guy that kind of pops pops up to mind for me is Tyler Hero. Uh, in his first season, he was an, a sensational rookie. This boost for the Miami Heat, he was this shooter, marksman-like. He went into the NBA bubble and was a huge part of their finals run. And then in the second year, he really struggled. His efficiency dipped. He wasn't getting as many open shots. He wasn't creating as often. He was sort of figuring things out. And a lot of that is because teams, all 29 other teams, now have film and footage where they can game plan for you. And not only do they have that footage where they can game plan for you, but they have the respect for you in order to to kind of game plan every single night. Now, you know, Scotty Barnes isn't just a cliff note at the bottom, uh, bottom of the scouting report. He is on page two, right behind the Pascal Siakam or Fred VanVleet. So it's, it's tough when you're vaulted into that category of things as a player so quickly. And on top of that, you're trying to figure out and grow yourself and figure out what you're good at. So the combination of those two things is what I think is kind of affecting Scotty's game a little bit. But in terms of the long run, I think he will be fine. I think, you know, the potential is still there for him to be a very, very good basketball player. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a work in progress. And I think that's, that's what will make it more interesting for the Raptors because they are trying to toggle this two-seat, two-timeline thing, if you will, yes. with a Scotty Barnes and then on the other side with the Pascal Siakams and Fred VanVleet to the world. Yeah, yeah, you got one that are closer to 30 and others that uh, can't legally rent a car in the United States and you're, <laughs> you're trying to find a way to make it work. We're joined by Esfandiar Berahini and uh, you were tweeting about it, I was watching it. Um, Nikolai Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. 13, 13, and 13, and I'm convinced he might have had a chance for a rebound late and just said, no, you go get it, Aaron Gordon. But I wanted to throw a stat at you. And this show, we do a lot of sports betting, but what I like to do is take a stat and turn it into a story. The Denver Nuggets have the fifth lowest odds to win the West. They have the number one record in the West. The Suns, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies all have better odds. And my first thought when I see this is, this is the power of Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers are the second-highest favorite team to win the West, and they've been outscored on the season. And that just screams to me, everyone is still afraid of Kawhi, and everyone is not afraid of Jokic come playoff time. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, when you have the talent of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they will always be a threat. I think the question with them is just, can you stay healthy? And to the offensive struggles, which, yes, it has been. If you've tried to stick through a Los Angeles Clippers game, it is 
like watching paint dry in terms of seeing that offense. Um, and it's, it's really, really tough to watch at times. But I think once they're fully healthy, they will be in that conversation. And far, as far as Denver, I really do think this is the best year or, or the most likely year for them to get out of the West. I mean, when you look at the parity between the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Clippers, even the Warriors, if you want to mention them, uh, and the Nuggets themselves, this is easily the best chance they have to kind of make some noise in the playoffs and get to the finals. Um, they have, obviously, all their players healthy so far. Jamal Murray is coming back from injury, but he's he's slowly starting to get, you know, a little bit healthier. Michael Porter Jr. is always the question around this team. And then they've added some some kind of role players, the rotational players, and a Bruce Brown and a Contavious Caldwell-Pope and, and Aaron Gordon is driving. So when you have those type of guys around Nikola Jokic, it is going to look great offensively. The defense is the big question. They rank, I believe, in the bottom 10 still in defensive efficiency. But at the same time, I still, I think I am a little bit bullish on this Nuggets team because Jokic is a talent that you do not want to face in a seven-game series. And when there's so much parity in the league, I feel like I've talked to you about this a lot, there's so much parity in the league right now. It, It makes it so that, you know, if you have a good matchup in the playoffs, Jokic can kind of take advantage of that and, hey, maybe make some noise, right? And that's kind of where I want to end, the word parody, because you're right, we have discussed this before. Uh, my biggest complaint about the NBA for many, many years was come playoff time, it was predictable. The fact that the offseason was often more thrilling than the postseason because we knew who was going to be in the finals with a pretty easy degree of, of figuring out which of the teams were. But I look in the West, Denver, Memphis, Suns, Clippers, easily see those four teams. By the way, the Pelicans might just be that one-year-too-early team, but they're too dumb to know it. The Warriors are in 11th, Lucas in 10th, and then in the East, uh, you know, Boston's come back down to earth a little bit. Milwaukee's probably the best team. The, the Nets could either be great or horrible, and, and Philly with Embiid and Harden, that's a... When healthy, it's a, it's maybe the best one-two punch. You can argue it's in the top two or three. I don't ever remember this level of parity since I started becoming an NBA fan when John Starks was dunking on Jordan. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know what? To your point, actually, this is the most amount of parity that we've seen since the 90s, uh, especially in the East. I think the Eastern Conference has been the weaker conference for this entire century. Yes. Uh, but, you know, the 90s was really the heyday of the Eastern Conference with the Bulls and the Knicks and whatnot. So I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's been a very, very long time since we've seen that, that type of parity. The interesting thing with that is that, like, it creates this pressure that makes teams either decide, yeah, we're going to stay put. We're not going to make any trades because of the fact that they think, okay, throw us in a playoff series with whoever, and we like whatever out- outcome we'll see. You know, because things are so close and the margin of error is so close, I feel like not a lot of teams will make moves. On the other hand, you could argue that because the margins are so close that there's going to be a couple teams that think, hey, maybe if we make that one move, we'll be able to, to be you know create some separation between us and the rest of the pack. I think the, the interesting aspect of this is is that the playoffs will just come down to matchups. It, it, it used to be, and to a, to a certain level it still is, that talent will always win in a playoff series. But now matchup matters so much more, too. 
which one is the better defensive team? Why is this team better to, to guard this specific roster? What kind of offense looks good in the playoffs versus what kind of offense looks good in the regular season? I think it, it's going to matter a lot more this season than any season we've seen. And, and truthfully, it's because we're in a golden age of basketball. There's more talent than ever. Yeah. And, uh, that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah, the Orlando Magic. You put that talent uh, a decade ago, they'd be a lot scarier than what they are now. Uh, Ms. Fendier, if people want to find your work, where, where do they go again? Yeah, go ahead and, uh, and check us out on the SDPN YouTube channel. You can search us at SDPN Sports. That's uh, all around. You can find it on the website, the YouTube, the social medias and whatnot. And you can check me out on Twitter at just Henny. Always appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, parody. Like actual legitimate parody in the NBA, it's glorious. And listen, it's not that I don't uh, I don't like a good dynasty every now and then, but when it's always the same couple teams, it's always the same dynasties. Uh, you know, I, I want a little mix in my life. You know, have 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 a certain period of time where you don't know who's going to win. Have a little parody. You know, treat it like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Coming up on the other side of the show, we do it each and every Wednesday. It is this or that. Coming up next, right here on Gameplay. This is Gameplay. On TSN 1050. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Embrace the odds. I want winners. Homer, please don't make me choose between my man and my God because you just can't win. There you go again. Always taking someone else's side. Flanders, the water department, God. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. A reminder, the show is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. At 3 o'clock, we are going to have Steve Phillips, the former Mets GM, to talk about what the hell's going on with the current version of the Mets as they steal Carlos Correa away from the San Francisco Giants for a 13-year deal for like $325 million. But we do it each and every Wednesday. It's time now for this or that. Producer Nick, what do you got? Well, first, I have a correction for you. Mm. It's a 12-year deal oh. for $315 million. I want to apologize to Scott <laughs> Boris. My parents. The thirteen-year deal was the one that the Giants signed yes. for three hundred and fifty million. So I don't know where you got three twenty-five, but I took the two. At this point, does it really matter? <laughs> you know, does this point does it really matter? The number I throw out there. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, all right, Maddie. Yeah. Ready to go? Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. So Thursday night football tomorrow. Mm. It's an absolutely thrilling matchup between the Jets and the Jags. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I will say this. Both teams could still make right. the playoffs. You're right. And the rise of Trevor Lawrence is a damn good one. So, sorry, what's the question? The question is, who who would you rather have playing quarterback mm. right now? Mm. The Zach Wilson, who is now scheduled to start again because yep. White is still out for the Jets. Yep. Or Baker Mayfield after his absolutely Mike White, atrocious. Mike White, Mike White, Mike White, Mike, Mike, Mike White isn't White. an option. Wait, oh sorry, sorry. Oh, oh, Zach, um, uh, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. No, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. And he said moments of production. Okay, so like he's Baker. also. Uh, no, he hasn't. Baker. Had he two, just led them back from a seventeen point. Baker had two good drives at the end of the game. I'm That's not arguing it. That, but you that said, is you it. You said moments of production. So Baker has had. Moments Zach Wilson's of had a better year than I can't believe we're fighting about that. But I am taking. I'm taking the young guy. I'm taking Zach Wilson. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, lots of rumors swirling around Raptors Nation. Yeah. Uh, potential moves that could be in play. What the value of players is moving forward. So, right now, yeah, if you could only keep one of them. Mm. Would you rather keep 
Scotty Barnes, or OG Ananobi for the future? Scotty Barnes, um, I think the offensive upside is a little bit better. Also, OG Ananobi has never really been able to prove that he can stay healthy for an entire season. So I will take I will take Scotty Barnes. All right, all right. Uh, flipping over to the NHL, mm-hmm. Maple Leafs. Yeah, put a beat down on the Lightning yesterday. Yeah, they did. Who would you rather the Leafs or where would you rather the Leafs finish mm. in the regular season heading into the playoffs as of right now? Is would you first rather an option? Them, would you rather them finish first? Okay. Or would you rather them finish second? Either way, you have to play either Tampa or Boston. Let's put it that this way. This is so stupid. <laughs> this is so stupid. Gary Bettman, you're an idiot. You're a, you're a bleeping idiot. Get a seventh. Six. Which is the which is the one where uh, 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 can I get a wild card and where they flip the other, to the other division? What do I got to do to face like New Jersey? You got to finish fifth. Okay, fifth. I want fifth. I just don't want Boston or the Lightning. Fifth in the division. I should sure, say. fifth in the division. Give give me any other team. I'll take on Carolina. Give me something different. Okay. I don't okay. want first or second. That was that was very aggressive. So I, I, I like when you get that Ugh. angry. Um, all right. Same thing every stupid year. The two biggest teams uh-huh. in free agency this year in MLB yeah. happen to reside in the same city in New York. Mm-hmm. This or that, who do you have more faith in heading into the MLB season? The New York Yankees or the New York Mets? Um, the the Yankees. I just saw the Mets race out to a huge start and then uh, and then get caught by the Braves and then lose. I think to the Padres who are all banged up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, with, with the Yankees. I like it. I like it. All right. Yeah. Last one coming from Tech producer Owen. All right. Who do you trust more? All right. To potentially win an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. The lowly Clippers, who Esfandiar just described their offense as watching paint dry. Yep. Or the dysfunctional Brooklyn Nets. Oh, don't do that to me. Do it. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I have more faith in the Clippers because the top end of the West is not as hard as the top end in the East. So okay. you have an easier path because you're going to have to beat either Milwaukee or Boston. Okay. So I'm going to take the Clippers under protest. Under protest. I like it. Yeah. All right, Matty, yeah, that nice is job. all I have for you today. So well done. On the other side of the show, who should people be directing their ire at more? The New York Mets, who are trying to just make a complete mockery of any sort of competitive balance. Or what about the 10 teams that don't bother spending money? We will get into that conversation in just a second with our baseball insider, Steve Phillips, is going to be joining us next right here on Gameplay. This hour of Gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 